Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline, and today we're talking about class-based versus classless RPGs. What are we talking about when we talk about class-based? Class-based are RPGs that deal with have levels inside of them, like your first level, second level, and you progress by gaining experience. And your as your character gains experience, to become more powerful and they are also part of a class. Uh, usually, uh, they're usually separated by like a martial arts class or a martial artist, or a martial class uh, has to do with weapon fighting, or a spellcaster, and probably a priest. So those are the classic three: the fighter, magic user, cleric. And this all stems from old time D and D game when. Uh, D&D still exists, and so they still use some of those classes. They, of course, expanded those classes and have more subclasses and expert classes, and there's all kinds of different groups of characters you can play. Most of the gamers that are my age or older, they know exactly what a class-based game is because those usually it's the first game we start playing was D&D. So with that in mind, we have an idea of what a class-based game is. And there's a reason why they're so popular, right? Because D&D was the first one. It was a class-based RPG. And a lot of subsequent games, RPGs that came out, they kind of used that same model. They used that class-based model as a way of making RPGs. For a long time, there was quite a few games that had class-based game. There were some that weren't. There was a few out there in the early 80s that weren't class-based. I think I'm not sure, but RuneQuest may not be a class-based game. And that's an early game uh, from the 80s. And there were so those few that ventured into that kind of game where a character wasn't part of a class and therefore wasn't usually restricted to what they could learn or what weapons they could use. I think there was this was a way of balancing the game even back then. There was this idea of balancing the game or having characters have a certain role to fill. I read that classes made it easier for you to not have to learn the whole game at once. You could just pick your class and the starting stuff that you came with that, like if you were a fighter, it gave you a, a template. Oh, yeah. That yeah. way you didn't have to learn everything at one time. I hadn't thought about that, but I, was, I did list the things of why class-based games are popular, and, and that was one of them was the ease of of entry into the game. I hadn't thought about that you didn't know, neither know all the rules to, like if, I guess if you started as a fighter, you didn't have to know about how to throw spells or how spells worked and, and stuff like that. So I could see that, I could see that definitely. So it's a modern game that has classes. One of my favorite modern games that has classes, they don't call them classes, they call them archetypes. Usually they, they change the names, is Tales from the Loop. They have archetypes, and basically, you don't really do very much to make the character different. They give you a template. They call them templates or archetypes, and you almost have a ready-made character to play. You you do change some of the stats, or you do change the stats, but there's not a lot of variety in the stat changes, and you do choose your skills, and you might choose a couple things that, that are important in the game, like your like your favorite object. But there's not a lot of changes that you make from the template to what your finished character looks like. In fact, I've told, I said in the past, 
I actually like this way of making characters because it's one of the few games that I've ever run at a con where I actually let the players make the characters at the table because it only takes 10 to 15 minutes. There are some modern games with uh, too many classes, or <laughs> I consider it too many classes. What was that game that we played? It was the horror... Flames and Freedom? I think so, where there were like Based on 100 and something classes. Well, th- again, they use the term archetype, and I, I think they're trying to get away from the idea of classes, but they're definitely, if there was a class, I mean, they're almost interchangeable. And yes, there's a ton of them. Well, archetypes or classes, I don't care what you call them, but <laughs> if there's too many choices, then it's kind of hard to choose, right? You have yes. to kind of have an idea of what you want to do. Right. And I think that, to me, that's one of the reasons why class-based games are really popular, because it's so easy to get into, right? If you have an idea of, if you have an idea of what, a, what you want, kind of want to play, right? If you want to play like a, a wizard, well... There's wizard classes, right? And there's a, if you want to play like a Conan character, then there's fighter classes and stuff like that. So, so that makes it easy for a player to get into. Oh, I know what the role is. I know what, what, what I can envision what the character is like. So that's why I, I think it's easier and I think it's popular for these games to hit the table. Uh, Jolene said it right. Certain, certain times or certain uh, games, they go crazy. But I think that was because it was a Kickstarter. And that was like a stretch goal. Like if you, if we hit ten, you know, a certain amount of money, we'll add another archetype, and that money, you know, they just kept making more and more archetypes. I think you're right because that was in the actual book. Like um, for D and D fifth edition, they have the classes in the in the core rule book, but then they come out with other books that have other classes, right? Because people say, "I want to do this." Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, another one that did the same thing was. Feng Shui 2. Remember, there was all kinds of classes in that, or they call them archetypes. But So there's all kinds of classes or archetypes in that game, Feng Shui 2, because, again, it was it was on Kickstarter, and it that was it. That was the there weren't as many as no. that one game. I just, when I saw that game, and Saul goes, what do you want to play? And I'm like looking at it going, how do you pick? There's yeah. too many of You're them. You're inundated with all kinds, and each are a little bit different. Feng Shui is cool, though, because you can, if you want to play a magic user, you can choose which kind, right? And because there's different, there's different old men that throw spells. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, there is different kind of cl- uh, classes of a uh, wizard. Well, even in D&D, right? You have the wizard and then you have the sorcerer. Yes, r- and I always that. prefer the sorcerer because the, you don't have to sit down and, and decide which spells you're going to use for the day that you, you just have them. You want to cart around those big old huge books everywhere? Yeah, yeah, I... I <laughs> When, when when it says that you need to, to contemplate or learn your spells each day, I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to be a magic user, but I don't want to have to do that part. I actually love playing a sorcerer, mainly because of the freedom of that it had, right? I know wizards are more powerful, mm-hmm. and they get more spells mm-hmm. to choose from, and that's freaking pretty cool. But being able to throw whatever spell you want on the fly, mm-hmm. that's... Clerics in, in, in D&D 5th edition also... They have to choose their spells each day. Right, right. And I was like, I'm all, okay, but what if you choose the wrong spell for the day? Yes, that was a classic problem in AD&D and 3rd edition. But in 5th edition, what they did is, I might have been in 3rd edition, but I'm pretty sure in 5th in edition, you could always let, like, if you have, I don't know, a cleric spell, 
I don't know, he, not heal, but uh, cure disease, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Well, I think it's a third level spell. You could always change that to heal, mm-hmm. uh, any heal spell, because that's what clerics usually are doing. Doing that, That's why you take a cleric. That's why you usually choose a cleric so you can heal your party. But they also get some other cool spells that are not in that vein of healing or you know protecting your party. They do other stuff. But then, like you said, if you pick it and then like it's totally useless. If you if you pick the bring down the what was it the rocks? Jericho. <laughs> I think there. I think Steve had a spell where you bring down rocks from the sky or or I forget what it was. But I remember he picked it and then we were inside of a cave and I'm like, please don't use that spell. <laughs> Yeah, because you don't like sometimes you don't know where the party's gonna go. Yeah, usually you do, but every once in a while you get thrown a curveball, and then there's no. Especially if you have an evil GM who listens to what spells you pick and decides to go a different uh, way. Uh, Most don't do that. I'm just saying. And that was not me because I don't pay attention enough to. I'm just. I know. <laughs> I could, I could. If I, so if that's I the, that's the difference between classes that you could pick, right? Feng Shui is the same way. There's the the drunken master. And then there's the like the old man that looks like he's gonna fall down and die the at old any master, second. It's actually, it's called yes. The old master, yeah. And and it's funny when when people choose those different kinds of characters because they they the class right they or archetype in this case it gives it flavor. But well, yeah. Even like I remember when Mike was playing the old master, he's like, oh, you like he take on his old type of no- yes. voice. So that, that they do help you get in the role, and especially if, you, if you're new to or newer to role playing, a class-based game is much easier how you could play. What is the difference? I mean, if you're doing a classless character, and I know you have other things you want to say about classes, but I'm just trying to do a comparison. If you have a classless character, right. is it like... Savage Worlds or GURPS rules where you we GURPS. have so many choices yeah. that... It would be like GURPS. Okay. Like you could pick any skills, put your points anywhere, and... So basically the Game Master has to tell you what's limited, right? Like we're playing a Wild oh, West yeah. game, you cannot be a robot from space. Right, right. I guess the, the, that's one of the... Or Savage Worlds is the same way. Savage Worlds doesn't have a set setting it's like a points that you get to choose different things or right right yeah. and and another thing is is that uh, savage worlds like i said has absolutely no preconceived setting so it is just a rule book with a set of rules to role play and of course they they come up with their own settings there's a ton of them because other people other than pinnacle which is i think the company that still makes savage worlds they have other people make settings for them Mm-hmm. There's like cyberpunk settings, there's old west settings and all kinds of stuff. I know there's dinosaurs too. Di- <laughs> I don't remember the dinosaur one, but I'm sure there is uh, something out there. There's, and then there's some that, that I guess are not as good because I, I listen to the podcast and though I'm not a big Savage Worlds aficionado, there was a, a Savage Worlds podcast. I think it ended now. It ended now, so, but it was a pretty good podcast and they, it was exclusively about Savage Worlds. So these guys who were uh, talking about it, they knew the ins and outs of Savage Worlds. They really knew the rules. And I learned quite a bit from them, but they also were very critical of certain settings that people would come up with, and the rules weren't quite well meshed together or didn't work very well. And you know, and they were very honest about it and stuff. So that's pretty cool. I think uh, as a GM, he, we talked about that, about a classless or using a point-based type of game. 
But I know, like, so, so, so something in the middle, kind of like, is, would you consider Shadowrun class based or classless game? Um, when I was reading about it, they people said it was classless, but they have, or, or at least in the fifth edition that we're currently playing, they have um, archetypes or templates. Yeah, templates. Well, you're right because. You, they, but I think it is. It's classless in the sense that you don't gain levels you get karma so you can improve your character right that's like experience kind of but you don't know you're right there is no class they give you those 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 as examples yes but you could make a uh you could be i mean well you you can choose street samurai but you choose how much uh what do you call it cyber cybernetics you use yeah 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 and a sorcerer same thing you choose what level magic so you could be like Sort of like a magic user or a sorcerer type person, but not very powerful, right? Uh, magic users in in Savage Worlds are no, no. I'm talking about. I mean, Shadow in Shadowrun, are it depends on if you want to try to kill yourself when you throw a spell. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you can put your magic at like three. Well, you and, choose each time right, what right, you want to do with right. it. But I'm saying that at the. At the uh, but you also have to choose things. If you're a magic user, are you gonna touch a gun? Are you gonna? Right. You have to make different. I mean, there's all kinds of choices, but you choose all that stuff. It's, right. So you, the, can, you can make a magic user who's like a, a gun-toting magic user. Or something. I made a magic user that didn't use guns. Right. So I carried a baton. <laughs> That's uh, right. It's a stun baton or something. You don't want to kill people, theoretically. But I did, accidentally. <laughs> That's right. You set the place on fire. Okay, so back to the class-based games. I think they're like we talked about just a minute ago. They're they're easier, and I think what what also d- they do is when you're presented a magic user, a fighter, the person who plays that person automatically gets an idea of how to role play that character, right? Because it has a title, mm-hmm. and the title gives you a pretty good idea of what role or what kind. A way, a kind of way to play or or role play that character, and I think that's kind of cool, and I think that helps people who are either new to role playing or haven't played a lot. <laughs> well, also, I think the classes when you sit down, well, even if it's classless, it doesn't matter. When you sit down and play, you see what other people do and how they they play a magic user or or a fighter, and then you go, oh, the next time we play this, I want to try that, right? Right. I want it to do a character completely different and be a fighter or I want to be a archer yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then you can choose. Well, either way, either system, you can choose how you want to go about it, right? Well, yeah, I agree. But like when, when I was saying is like a new player, like let's say they haven't played very much and they're very shy or timid about playing or really don't know how to play, they can see, they can role play, they can see or they can envision a fighter, and you say, well, Conan is a fighter. Aragorn is a fighter, right? And they're like, oh, okay. And then, like, when you say, well, what about a wizard? And then you just, there's there's so much out there that you can draw upon when you give them a class, like wizard. Oh, Gandalf was a wizard, or uh, Merlin was a wizard in King Arthur. And then you're like, oh, okay, I know what I'm, I know. And so it gives new players or players with not a lot of experience to, to the hobby to be able to jump into a role that they may feel weird about if you're saying, well, you can be anything you want. Well, 
I'm just going to go out on a limb and say new players have probably watched actual plays. So <laughs> these days, yes, and and that gives them an idea of what they want to do, right? How they how uh-huh. they see it, right? It's not like they're just going down and into the basement with their teenage brother and his friends. <laughs> Don't say basement anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And going, okay, this is the game we're going to play. Right, right, right. The last thing I had for, well, not the last thing, but I, I, another thing I have for class-based games is that characters are easier to create. There's not so much thinking involved, right? You get, you like, an archetype for Tales from the Loop or even, I don't know. even D&D. You know, they, they tell you what die yes. type for this and what's, what's your base skills, right? They give you, usually they give you, like, if, let's say, a fighter in D&D, give you five skills, a choice of five skills, you got to pick three, right? Yeah. So, okay, so, so certain things have been taken out of the. That's picture. what they. That's what they mean by ease of of, yes. of learning. You don't have to learn the whole system. Right. You're just learning your oh, your character. So so yeah. So it, so a lot of stuff is eliminated simply because you have a you you choose a class that you don't have to worry about magic or you don't have to worry about those certain skills because they're just not available to you. You not, you don't have to even decide whether ooh do I want a point of magic or do I take swords too. But because they, well, they don't give unless you, that you unless you have kids that have read every inch of the book and it give you too many choices, right? Because they play like if you have a friend who who knows all the rules and goes, okay, you want to play a fighter? Okay, let's look at it this way. How do you want to do it? And then they they ask you a couple of questions and then they tell you like eighty two things of what you should do, <laughs> and you're like going, okay, someone else needs to help me make my character. <laughs> This well, is just you, from personal experience. You wanted options, honey. I yeah. And some people will give you those options. I found that Tales from the Loop was harder for me to make the character because I thought about it was cuz you're making this character that's like a kid, right? Between ten, what 10 and 10 and 10 15. 15 and there's all of these connotations and weird ideas that you have from your own childhood versus I'm like looking at this thing going, okay, these are the things I want to do. Now, how can I do that? Right. And they give you the little, the little uh, templates to, to go with. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Yeah. When there's a, uh, because you, you might think that every decision you make is like a really big yeah, deal, yeah. right? Where, where but at, once you play it, it, once you play it, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. <laughs> I had it all wrong. I had a hard time when there's too many choices because, like GURPS, I need to know what the parameters are, people, because making some people, and I know, I know people who just go, okay, I'll take this character, and they get this idea in their head, and they go, okay, I'll do this, I'll, I'll, and it's, it's really easy for them to do, right? Right. And then there's people who think about everything. Yeah, you, it depends on your personality, right? How easy it is for your mind to wander or dandy about you know about all these decisions you have to make i mean there's depending on the on the game there's a, a decisions that you have to do as a as a player and that impacts how good that character is down the road and that was one of the points i was going to talk about is that when you play a game that is class that is class based i think a lot of those decisions go out the window but if you have a like let's say shadow run you really have to know every aspect of the rules right because you're like okay if I choose this skill and this and this this other skill, how do they complement each other? How will that? How will this affect the the way the game plays? Or you can go, or you can be like like the the boys and go. 
I need to redo my Shadowrun character because I accidentally did this. I didn't know, I didn't realize until I was reading later on trying to figure out how to use this that it doesn't work with what I'm trying to do. And I need to, I need to change my, I don't, all of a sudden I realize I don't have enough money to have all these extra limbs that I bought. Right. (laughs) Or I don't have, I can't use this because it doesn't work with this type of character. That is usually what happens. Right. And I like, for example, our son who's had a Shadowrun character, he spent points, his karma points or points on something that in the end he thought it was going to, he was not going to use very much. And and then so he asked if he could change his character. I go, yeah, sure. I I don't. I honestly, I don't really care. So, but I don't want somebody who who feels like, oh, I just wasted all these points on something that's absolutely not Useless. necessary yeah. or something that I'm not going to utilize in the game. And so all those points are tied up in something that I don't. Like. And you need to know certain things, like in Shadowrun. I mean, Kathy made a. a <laughs> she she had a gun. She she spent money on a gun, and then when it came time to and use the gun, to use the gun, but. But she couldn't. She could use a gun. But she, could. but she couldn't hit anything with it because it was because she didn't. She could only. She couldn't roll any dice because she didn't have the whatever think, she needed. Or I she think could her accuracy. Like okay, so in Shadowrun there is a upper limit of what dice count. Yeah. For for doing all kinds of things, whether it's magical, physical, or whatever. And in, in her case, her her ability to. The max amount of dice that she could keep was like four, which was really bad. So, so her successes. And so, yeah. So they go, oh, let's redo your character in that sense. So she could actually like, well, she could hit things. But the problem was it, it was her accuracy was so low. That it didn't do any damage. Yeah. Usually it wouldn't do any damage. And people people who had any kind of armor or whatever could usually dodge it or absorb the, the, the damage. Anyway, so yeah, stuff like that when you're when you don't know the system or you're not really into the system, then you can make mistakes like that and that could, you know, cuz that pissed her off, right? That made her upset. She goes, "God, you know, I remember that when she when there." And then it didn't help that my son was laughing at, "Oh, you you do." And she like like and then she, then she, you know, she got into it with her sons cuz like, "Oh, you were supposed to help me with this, blah blah blah." And of course, especially with Shadowrun, it's such an intensive character creation process that you really can't help somebody and make your own character at the same time no because it, it's that much work right and i'm not saying i don't like the game and I, in fact i love the game and i even like the the that fact that part of the game that it, you know nitty-gritty type of work that you got to do you just have like, to remember that when you're making characters let the other people make their characters first and then ask them to help you when they're not when they are not Distracted. Distracted. Making their own choice. Otherwise, you'll have to go back and redo parts <laughs> of your character. Because you, even though you asked if you could specifically have that, it's not going to work. You're right. So that's what happened in that game. And uh, I think it happened. I mean, even my son, who, who knows the rules pretty well, he came back to me and said, can I, you know, can I change this? Game? All of them did. Well, not, not, not Alan, but Ian did the same thing. He goes, right. he goes well, this isn't going to work for me. I need to, can I please... And I, and I forgot what he's what what the what the issue was, and I, and to me as a GM, I really do, it doesn't really matter. Well, because right? the the thing about Shadowrun is is once you make the character, you get these you get karma points right to enhance and give you these special things right that you well, can to make do. the character better. Yeah, but you also you only get a certain amount right when you first make the character. So if you do want to do something really cool, then you have to take negative karma 
things also to right. to balance it out. Yeah. And sometimes those disadvantages and advantages don't work well together, so you have to kind of know. Right. Or experiment and then go, oh, this isn't going to work. I can't do this. This doesn't mean what I thought it meant. This means that if I roll these dice, I'm going to die. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, maybe you want to run that kind of risk because you're on the edge. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's, I, to me, I think if, if they're not happy with their character, the way they made them, then I, I see no problem them changing it. So whether it's a classless system or a class-based system, I think that when you're making the characters... If you have questions, you should definitely ask the GM because they should know, right? right? It's their game. They should know what they would work or wouldn't work in their game. Unless it's me and Shadowrun because I really haven't read the rules that. Okay, I read the rules like five times and I still don't understand them. So, so it's a, it is it is a Shadowrun is a very deep game. It's really complicated. So there's a lot in there, and it's very difficult for me to absorb and remember all those rules because there's a system for everything but that's shadow run uh, we've talked about shadow run in the past but there's a lot of classless based games shadow run uh savage worlds GURPS. Uh, gurps and basically what i like about classless based rpgs is that you have so much options right nothing is limited you could that's what that's what they say it's limitless for what you yeah. want to do with your character you can make any character you want right i remember there was those was there was a game called Rollmaster back in the day, and I think they're trying to re- do like a, a resurgence of it. I I think it's the they came out with like the 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 basic rules of Rollmaster, and and that's the one that had all these critical hit charts that were really popular back in the day. I don't remember anybody, too many people playing that game, but I remember everybody knowing about the game and knowing about those critical hit charts. About if you use a bone, you hit a you hit a critical hit, a critical you get a critical miss or you roll a crit on yourself i remember the bow thing where if you roll a certain number you chop your own ear off right <laughs> right and then and then that has an impact in the game because then you go you got minus 30 percent on perception and all this other stuff. Yeah. so it was really funny a lot of people loved that stuff i never played it i think there was a middle earth role-playing version of it uh middle earth yeah middle earth role-playing version of 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 that system they called it merp but all I got to do was make the character and just <laughs> walk around a, a monastery for a little while. But what I did like about that game is that you could, you had classes, sort of. You had like uh, you could be a wizard and this and that. But they wouldn't limit you on what they wouldn't limit you on what skills you could learn. And but it would just cost you a lot, like if it was outside your realm. So like I was a wizard, but I wanted to, wanted to be able to use a two-handed sword. So I gave my guy a lot of strength, and he was a wizard, and I, I want to give him a two-handed sword, but I also want him to have the skill to use it. <laughs> so it cost me a ton of points to be able to use a two-handed sword. Hey, but I made that character. Okay, so um, for classless-based systems, the most interesting thing I read was that given enough time, all of the people will make the same character for the game. What? As in everybody, so, you know, somebody builds a, a super swordsman wizard dragon. And everybody wants to do that because it sounds really cool. I don't know about that. I, I was the. I said it was the most interesting thing I read. I didn't say I, it was accurate. I think if you have a lot of a lot of play, you have players, or all your players are they don't want to be uh, one upped, then you could run into that. And then because I guess there is an optimal super uh, with min max character, right? 
But I, I, I've never run across somebody. I, don't, I haven't run across a party of people or a group of players that would do that simply because they don't want to be, you know, outdone. They want their I own mean, character. I mean, our, our players, the ones we have, our sons, and I'll throw in Steve in there, they're really competitive, right? They want to be able to do the most damage or the most whatever. With whatever the character they create. Right? Yeah. The whatever. And so there's a little bit of the competition of what they can do. And they still talk about, oh, I'm throwing 30 dice for, to hit and all this other stuff in Shadowrun. I, I still remember Ian playing the drunken master in Feng Shui, and he did an excellent job with it. He goes, he goes. I watched a couple movies to see what drunken masters look like, and uh, you played Feng Shui. Yeah, I remember. Okay, and he was, <laughs> and he goes, "This is this is the way I want the character to be," and it was hilarious. Was I there? Yes. Is that really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh my God! Yeah, that's hilarious. That's that's even funnier. I don't remember running for you guys. Anyway, that's funny. So I li- I like the idea of classless games because you can make class- anything you want. You can make any character you want, and yeah. that's really cool, right? But the problem with that is you also have to know the rules pretty well, right? Uh, in any given in any given, uh, well, not any given Sunday, but any given. <laughs> so you can make any character that you want. But you have to know the rules pretty well. I think that's the negative about classless-based games because, like, if you're gonna make a character on a character in GURPS, you gotta know the ins and outs of making a character in GURPS. Savage Worlds, though the rules are not as as complicated than GURPS, you gotta have an idea of what kind of character you want. And in in Shadowrun. You definitely have to know the rules, and you definitely have to have an idea what you want. I think when when you're gonna play a classless game like like that. The GM needs to set the parameters of, oh, yeah. I mean, for Shadowrun, I'm not so much, but for GURPS. for GURPS, if you have too many choices, you might either make something that you didn't really intend to, or your the GM might go, no, I, I wasn't allowing that. Did I not tell you that? Yeah, you definitely want to avoid that kind of situation. And I think that happens with GURPS, generic universal role-playing game. So when they're genreless... There's things in there that are not going to be available for every setting, so that's true. You, as a GM, from the very beginning, okay, this is this is a game that takes place between 1850 and 1900. So there's not going to be computers. So you cannot have an AK-47. Right? You, can't, you can't have AK-47. <laughs> oh, and there's no dinosaurs, so you don't can't ride a brontosaurus rex, right? So so you're right. There's those parameters that the GM has to put out up front, and that's because it's a genreless game and when they make that game, they throw everything. When they put all the skills in, yeah, the skills the go from everywhere, right, right? Right. So you have to consider what you're playing if you can actually use that skill with your character. Because you might get, because then you're just going to have to redo it if you, don't, if you don't do it right, right? Yeah, exactly. I think when you are going to run that game, that, that's pretty much, you pretty much know that already. I mean, you, as a GM, if you're going to GM those kind of games, you know that that you have to set those parameters and you have to tell the, the players or you're going to be wasting the player's time, right? Right. And make it You don't want to do that. And then, and it, oh, oh, but you can't, and I've done that in the past. Like when I, when I, when Ian made it an, an assassin, oh, you, I'm sorry, you can't have an evil character. I don't allow assassins. That was on me. Cause I, cause you really need to tell the players that before they make their right, character. Before you send them out and say, oh yeah, you can make any character you want. And they're like, oh, but that one, no. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, oh. and then they're like, I spent 
three yeah. days figuring this out. That was the whole reason I made this character. I'm like, okay, sorry. <laughs> My bad. Oh, I hate that term. But anyway, that does happen, and I've done it. It's happened to me, and it's not a pleasant situation. No, because then it's very awkward for everybody. I guess that's what a session zero would be for, right? That was before I really got into the session zero. So <laughs> that was when the boys were very young, and I said, oh, I had that rule. No evil characters, no assassins. My only fence is because I never, I, me personally, never thought about playing or wanting to play an evil character or an assassin. So I only go by by what I know. And I, it never occurred to me that my friends or my friends' kids would want to play an assassin. So when you talk about class versus classless games, is it, it's just really about making the character for the game? I mean, in a, in a way, in the sense that you, the choices that you have for it doesn't it doesn't affect the other mechanics of the game, right? Well, it it doesn't affect the mechanics of the game, but it, it's part of the game for the rest of the game, right? Because if you're in a class game, like Pathfinder, you're going up in levels. That's going to affect that. That's the way it's going to be for till the end, till you stop playing. So you're going to increase in levels. You're going to get more powerful. You're going to have these certain type of skills. You're going to be good you, at certain you've things. You've chosen this class right. and, and there's a pathway. And there's a pathway. And where, where if you have a, a classless-based games like Shadowrun, GURPS, let's say you are a, a street samurai. Well, let's, let's pick that one. Let's say you are a, a mage. Man, but the, some of that cyber stuff really looks pretty cool. I, maybe I want some cyber eyes, right? So you take that hit on essence, right? You go, I'm going to put some cyber eyes in me. It's going to cost me one essence. So my magic level goes down, but now I've got these eyeballs. I can do all kinds of weird stuff. You could do that, and you can make that change, that kind of fundamental change in the character where in other games, usually it's restricted. Or I guess in the, what they allowed later is uh, what, they, what they do when you, when you change classes the, the dual class and all yeah. that. So they give you so that that kind of happened, right? That kind of happened in in class based games where people were like, "Yeah, I'm I want to split it. I'm a fighter, but I like to throw a spell every once in a while, or the other way around." And I think that's when they came up with with. Uh, uh, but that was back in the day. That was like in D and D, but it was very difficult to to have multi class, right? Because you would have this, you would have to split your, you would have to split your your experience. So like. If you split to like a magic user and a fighter, half the experience you got would have to go to the fighter and the other half would go to the magic user and then you would go up in levels. So you would increase slower. Slower. Levels. Right. So where everybody was like fourth level you and you were multi-class at the very beginning, you'd be like maybe second level in either and both of them. Yeah. So it was real tough. Now, I don't think it's as tough. I don't think they, they make it as, 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 as hard. Uh, you don't split your, I think you just, you 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 wherever you stop and switch from like let's say you're a fourth level fighter and you switch to a cleric then i don't think you go back to being a fighter you're just a cleric from first level and then you go up that way class less games you can do anything you want you can dabble in different things i i, I listed something that down i said you could be a uh, jack of all trades where you could do a little bit of everything not very good but you could do it or you could be like a specialized person, like a sniper, a melee specialist, and, and really kick ass in that arena. And that's about it, I think. That was Saul's thoughts on class-based RPGs versus classless RPGs. Right, right. I like both aspects, but I kind of lean toward classless-based games, mainly because I have, if I was a player, I have more 
ability or choices to make to make the exact character that I want within the rules. There you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day.